I don't see 10 years from now, a lot of people going around selling product for a five or 6% commission. I don't know who they're gonna sell it to, right? They're certainly not gonna sell that to someone who's 20 years old today. From stockbroker, broker-dealer to RIA, Chuck Fela shares why he made the switch, how DPL has helped bridge the gap to independence, and what he's doing now to help other advisors break away. You're listening to Advisor Revelations. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Advisor Revelations podcast. Uh, my name is Jonathan Barth. I'm one of the consultants here with DPL Financial Partners, and we're happy to welcome uh, Chuck with Sovereign Financial Group. He's the principal there at Sovereign Financial Group, um, located in the Northeast throughout. Um, Chuck, thanks for joining us here today. All right. Well, Jonathan, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, thanks. Uh, this should be a really good conversation and something that's a really popular topic with a lot of the advisors that we work with. Um, so before we we get into it, um, I know that you have a great uh, breakaway story and, and just a story within um, you know, how you got started in the industry. But before that, um, you've been a DPL member for a few months now, and uh, we're getting some pretty significant results with the clients. I know we've worked on a few um, different client cases. Tell us a little bit about how you got started in the industry and what your role is. So uh, it's, it's funny. I was speaking with one of your coworkers the other day about this. And the real long story, which I'll give you just a super abbreviated uh, version of, started back probably about 30 years ago. I was a fundraising consultant. So I actually worked as a for-profit paid fundraising consultant, consulting to nonprofits like the Metropolitan Opera, the Wharton School of Business, Chicago Botanic Garden, Purdue, and so on and so forth. I was in my early 20s. It was a lot of fun. I was in a different city every day of the week, except for one. And when you're 20-something, that's that's awesome. You know, when you're 50-something, as I am today, that's a little bit less appealing. But I loved it. Sure. A buddy of mine that was a friend of mine from the business, I actually trained in fundraising world, went on to go to the uh, infamous location of Lehman Brothers, 55 Water Street, <laughs> which you guys are probably too young to remember this, perhaps. He started making just a ton of money. And I was like, wow, that seems like a really good idea. I should probably do that instead. And I made this switch <laughs> from fundraising consultant to uh, to stockbroker um, back in the day when we were literally call calling people, which I, I can't even imagine now, but it's what we did every day three, 400 dials a day and, and selling individual stocks. Did that for about four years, built up a little bit of a book of business, always with the idea of going independent, which I did in 1999, opening up a, an independent branch of Raymond James Financial. Did that for about 20 years and converted from individual stocks to SMAs and mutual funds and asset allocation, financial planning and fee-based. And you know, over those 20 years, I moved almost entirely to fee-based asset management, uh, dropping very few tickets because it just seemed like it was a much better way to work with the client, aligning goals and all this. And it really resonated with our clients. So about two years ago, you know, I really had the question, why, why in the world do I have my Series 7 still, right? <laughs> and I decided to drop that. And uh, we converted Sovereign Financial Group, which was a DBA of Raymond James, into what it is now uh, an SEC registered investment advisory firm. That's awesome. You definitely brought back some glory days and some some great thoughts for some of our advisors that are listening, starting out, you know, dialing individual homes. I mean, that's you're right. It's for a crazy sure. concept yeah. right now. <laughs> Hard to imagine, but that's how we did it back then. That's for sure. One of the services DPL offers to advisors is consulting on that breakaway concept. And what we see is more and more advisors are looking for that independence and freedom to run their business the way that they want to. Um, but a big thing for them is, you know, how do we make this a seamless transition? 
I'd like for you to talk to us a little bit about that road to independence that you had um, and what really was the catalyst for that. What made you want to go independent RIA? You know, what it really boils down to is is having absolute control over your your business model and your processes on, on how you want to do business. And what I came to realize is the Series 7, which, you know, I had a Series 7 for pretty close to a quarter century. It, it seemed weird to get rid of it. But when I really put pen to paper, like, what am I using my Series 7 for? It was a short list, right? There, there wasn't much. Mm-hmm. And the the industry has already developed, as you guys well know. The few things that we would perhaps really want a Series 7 for, slowly but surely, but now quickly and, and comprehensively, uh, there are solutions for anything I was going to do with the 7. And in today's context, we're talking about, you know, some variable annuities. We were never really heavy on variable annuities, but we had some. And I think it's a good fit for certain people that are risk adverse uh, insurance products. The fact that there's so many more choices now on the fee based side that ends up being better for the client, better for us as advisors. It, it just made a lot of sense to make that transition. So Really, the impetus was, I should say, two years ago when I realized I, I just don't need my seven anymore. So why am I tithing back 10% of my revenues to, you know, to the broker dealer when I can capture 100% of my revenues and, and just do it on my own? That's great. So looking back on it in that transition, do you wish you knew <laughs> something now that you didn't know back then? Yes, but it would be unknowable. And, and I'll share the story <laughs> with you. So we actually went independent or we tried to go independent January 2019. Now, if you have a real good memory, there was something really unique about January 2019. There was a very big organization that was closed, if you recall. Was that during the government shutdown or? It was the United States was shut down. Yeah. And I remember, (laughs) and I was driving back home from a ski trip with my family. And I remember having this conversation with my wife. I was like, huh. I wonder if that's going to impact our SEC registration tomorrow. <laughs> I was like, no, there's got to be some solution around that. And there wasn't. So on January 2nd, I was without a seven and I was without an SEC registration. Oh, my gosh. So we were floating around for 30 days uh, until we were able to get the SEC back online. And all they had to do, we were already fully submitted. They just had to come in and press the click button, you know, enter. And uh, we were registered, but that was, that was the worst part of it. Oh my gosh. Again, yeah. That's, that's being a no man's land. Yeah. I mean, what are the chances of, of that happening? Although these days, maybe, I don't know that that could happen again. Hard to yeah. say. Yeah. That's, that's um, extra commentary for another podcast. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, you know, I would have changed that, but of course, you know, you can't really worry too much about something that you would like to change that you clearly have no control over. The one thing I would have changed that I clearly had control over is I would have done it at least two or three years earlier, for sure. Um, it, it would have been better. We, we could have just gotten over that hump sooner. We would have avoided the shutdown as a, as a minor kind of benefit. But as I really reflect on it and having lived now almost two years without my Series 7, mm-hmm. I, I should have done it sooner. That's awesome. Yeah. I, anytime we talk to advisors or market counsel, anytime yep. they share stories about advisors going independent, it's always, I wish I would have done this sooner. Um, yep. It's like, there's no better day than now to, to go independent. So that's awesome. Yeah. Refocusing on uh, the DPL membership and partnership that we have together. When we first stepped in and, and started with some of the assistance on converting some existing 
annuities that are in um, that clients already owned to a fee-based and fee-only revenue stream, um, I know that we had immediate success with some clients. Could you talk a little bit about that process and what that's led to for clients? Absolutely. So it involved no effort from us whatsoever. And it's funny, our chief compliance officer, as as most true good chief compliance officers, he doesn't get too excited about too many things and doesn't get really uh, on board with a lot of like new concepts. He's been absolutely pleased with you guys. And and it's kind of like the litmus test, right? If, if, if John's happy with you guys, you guys are doing something right. And, and what it really is, it was delivering on, on initially what you had promised us, which is a very simple process to determine if there was a better fit out there for one of our clients. So whenever we could do something that's going to be improving our client situation, we're going to do it. And if we can do something that's going to improve our client situation and not have to fuss with any of the the logistics, even more so, right? And so what we did, and we're even doing this now, as as you know, Jonathan, with advisors that we're looking to recruit into Sovereign, which is a big Mm -hmm. part of our growth plan, to show them how wonderful it is on this side of the fence, right? In the RIA space, we actually are using DPL to showcase to these advisors that we're trying to recruit to Sovereign saying, check this out. Send us one of your statements, black out all the personal information, right? We just did one of these yesterday, I think, Jonathan, right? With great Mm -hmm. success. We did. So we're talking to advisors that we're recruiting. Give us a couple of your legacy variable annuities, black out the personal information. And all I'm going to do is forward that to DPL. They are going to do the research. They're going to find if there's a better solution. And we've had situations where you've come back saying, well, we don't have anything better. And at least that's, that's proof positive that we've done our job. But more often than not, you are able to find something that is better in the fee-based world. And within 24 hours, you I don't even think so. I think it was within the day. I think I sent it to you in the morning and that afternoon you got back to us, which was awesome, especially for this guy we're trying to recruit. He liked that kind of quick turnaround, you know? <laughs> and we showed it to him. And he was like, wow, this is really cool. It, there's that one page, two-page summary <laughs> where you guys not only go over the details on – you know, pros and cons of what he, the client has now, what they could have, but also a few sentences, some actual subjective uh, commentary, which is great from a client education perspective. And, you know, from a firm owner's perspective as mine, it's some great compliance, right? So why, why did we make the switch? Oh, here it is. Makes a lot of sense. So it, it served both an educational purpose, but then also a compliance purpose so that, made me happy wanting to serve his clients and it made John Kokersberger in our office very happy wanting to serve uh, uh, the, the compliance end of things. Then, and this will really resonate with uh, anyone listening in, in the state of New York or who does business in the state of New York, going back to the cases that you and I worked on, I started Sovereign in New York City. So we really still have a, a big presence in New York City uh, and an active office there as well. And um, once we found, or we by we, I mean you, found the solution for that client set, and and I know you know who we're talking about, mm-hmm. then, you know, we gave you guys the green light and you did all the forms and the reg 60. And for, for people in 49 other states, they're going to have no idea what that means, or maybe they do. But certainly the folks in New York state understand the pain that's associated, the visceral pain that you, you, you grimace when you hear reg 60. And you guys did a great job just getting it all done. So, you know, again, it, it, it helped us because it did something better for our clients, which we'll always do, whether we have to do the work or not. But if we could do something better for our clients and not do the work, we're, we're super happy about that. That's awesome. I mean, that's that's a great story to hear from from you firsthand. And 
that's what we set out to do. You know, we always joke and, and kind of say, but we really coined the term a word that DPL is a temp, a turnkey insurance management platform, just like you that's do with good, the yeah. asset size, the asset side. We're doing it with the insurance side to where, you know, we do 90% of the legwork. All you have to do is just make the client get into a better outcome. And that's, that's great. Um, cool. Also glad that John on the compliance side is happy because that's important as well. For sure. You got both sides of the house happy. <laughs> exactly. That's a win-win. So before connecting with DPL, how familiar were you with fee-based annuity market? Um, what products were out there with carriers? Did yeah. you know about it at all? Pretty familiar because we were really dialed in on that, right? We, we were trying to do as much as we can fee-based. And that was sort of that one gap that we didn't have great selections on. So what we found ourselves doing is just talking individually to wholesalers. And we have some great wholesalers, some great partners that we work with. But the shortcoming there is there's only so much information you can get sort of one source at a time. You know, the whole idea of one-stop shopping where you guys have access to all these carriers, again, just makes it easier. And you know, frankly, we we had um, well, we could use the the name of the firm, I guess it was a Jackson, and we weren't even aware that Jackson had the same product in fee base, which ended up making a ton more sense for everyone. Um, so having that ability to get all the information in one spot helped us. We were really compiling it ourselves, but it was really calling carrier X, Y, and Z and collecting that information one at a time, as opposed to having that central depository of all the information in one spot, which, which obviously is our preference. Exactly. Makes everything easier for you. Yeah. So you mentioned something earlier when you were, were talking that you're using DPL as a part of your marketing towards attracting new advisors to join Sovereign. Um, right. Could you share a little bit with the audience about how converting that business can be beneficial to an advisor who is joining an established firm like yours or even going out independent by themselves? The people that we're talking to are the people that want to go RIA, but they don't want all the hassle with the RIA. So they, the, the term is called tucking in. So they tuck in with us. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they'll take on the sovereign brand. Sometimes they'll use their own brand. We are agnostic to that, whichever is going to make most sense for them and their book of business and their clients. All we do for them is kind of similar to what you've been doing with us is acting as the back office support to allow them to operate their business. So for people that are tucking in with us or for people that, you know, want to do compliance and all that internally, which good luck, um, <laughs> the, the, the answer is really the same. But most of the people we're talking to are coming from the broker dealer world. Right. And if you're coming from the broker dealer world, whether it's an IBD, like an LPL or a Raymond James or, or, or a Finet at Wells Fargo, or if you're coming from a wirehouse, even if you're primarily fee based, you probably have some legacy business on on the books and no one wants to leave that behind. Right. You want to service the clients and, and you also want to get the trails. Right. Th those are revenues that you've come to count on and your clients have come to count on you for providing advice. So you don't want to break that that model. So what we've been finding very helpful is to show these other advisors that are looking to make that leap from, you know, 80% fee-based to 100% fee-based and maybe that 20% fee-based is that variable annuity legacy business that there are options out there. So we've been using that as a recruiting tool, educational recruiting tool, right? Kind of one and the same in a lot of ways to let them understand that you are not going to leave anything on the table if you make that move over to the RIA space. And again, we've been leaning on you guys pretty good. And there's nothing better than seeing something in, in black and white because it kind of takes the idea of fee-based annuities, you know, as a concept 
to really black and white, here's what it means in dollars and cents. And um, the ones we've done have, have looked really, really good. So it's been an effective recruiting tool for us. That's great. So what advice or what other comments would you say to advisors who are still on the fence um, about using annuities in financial plans right now? Obviously, you've seen the benefit in terms of the breakaway space. But what would you say to advisors who are still maybe hesitant on looking at annuities in a financial plan and some of the benefits that they can provide now that there are repriced commission-free options available? Absolutely. So for for the right clientele, uh, if they are very risk adverse, if the only way they're going to get exposure to the markets is with some sort of income benefit, then there's a good reason to do that. If they need the tax deferral and they've already maxed out their other resources to tax defer funds, then an annuity would make some sense. And that was compelling even back in the commission days. But now that you've stripped out the commissions and those fees have gone down so much, I mean, these are are not any more expensive than even a low-cost mutual fund, and it happens to have the the benefits and the guarantees and all this, they become even more attractive. Uh, again, like with anything, not for everyone, but for the right client, and especially for firms like ours, we tend to be very financial planning oriented. One thing we do like about when we do use annuities, which again, is not always, but when we do, it helps us to really put that income stream in a very quantifiable way into the plan and take one level of variable out of the plan, right? So we have, here's your your guaranteed income, worst case scenario, here's your portfolio, this is what we think the rate of return is gonna be, we'll use a conservative one there. But the, the more a client needs certainties within their plans, and this usually tends to be more the case for lower net worth clients, right? Higher net worth clients, I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense other than for tax deferral, in which case it could make a lot of sense. But usually our high net worth clients don't have much need for these types of guarantees because they have enough funds to diversify. We use a lot of option hedges and strategies like this. But for the lower net worth client that is risk adverse, that does need some guarantees, um, and now especially that these annuities have been stripped out of those very expensive commissions. I mean, I remember there were commissions going back up to the double digits, you know, 10 12%. <laughs> You know, and we didn't do any of those. But if you think about it, man, if, if the advisor, and I, I hesitate to call them advisors, if the salesperson, right, is collecting a 12% commission, I, you know, what is left for the client to mm-hmm. possibly make money on? And I, I think that's how a lot of those annuities went, went down. But at the same time, I think that's one of the reasons why annuities have a really bad reputation in some ways, right? Or, or they get some, some bad rap. And there are certainly some egregiously bad annuity products out there for sure. But there's some really good ones that we Mm -hmm. have certainly found some use of and, um, you know, clients have really benefited from. That's great. Thanks for for sharing it. I would definitely say that the difference between the commission world and and the commission free annuity world um, outside of the benefits and the lower costs and everything is that you're really moving from a world of professional sellers in the commission world to professional buyers in the RIA world. You know, buyers who are looking for value, performance, you know, low cost, transparency, all those things, client driven value even. Um, so that I would say that's been a, a huge difference for the RIA spaces. Yeah, that's actually a really great way to put it. Sure. 
Thank you. Um, so it's very clear that you have a passion for going independent um, and having this freedom that comes with dropping your Series 7, dropping the broker-dealer, having an, an SEC-registered RIA, um, and getting to know you and, and the firm so far. Uh, I've learned that you call yourself the RIA evangelist, which is great. I, I, I've, I love that. <laughs> that is that is true. Um, it has popped up. Uh-huh. And I have embraced it. And uh, it, it's accurate, right? I mean, everyone I talk to, uh, and I love talking shop. I do a lot of uh, these types of podcasts or interviews. And I do probably about as many for sort of the the retail public as much as I do, in this case, for the, for the industry as well. And I, I love talking shop because I think it's a very interesting time for us right now in the investment advice world, right? And the lines between broker-dealer and RIA, you know, those sides are getting to be, interestingly, from a regulatory perspective, somewhat blurred more, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. from a participant's perspective, I think it's becoming more uh, defined, right? Where especially on the RIA side, and and I'll speak for myself at, on this, not as, uh, you know, Chuck the RIA evangelist, but just, <laughs> just Chuck Fela. But – I think a lot of us on the RIA side are are really protective of the role that we take and and making sure the public understands the difference between someone selling product and someone selling advice, right? We're both selling stuff, mm-hmm. right? I mean, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if I'm not communi- communicating the value proposition to a prospective client, they're not going to hire us. Mm-hmm. But the difference between us and a product-oriented person is that we don't really care what product you end up in, other than we want you to be in the best one. Our fee is the same no matter what, right? And, and I think that's powerful. And for for the retail client to better understand that, I think that's going to benefit them. And we really focus a lot on that, the whole idea of fiduciary care. And I think that topic's getting more and more top of mind. And especially as younger people are, are moving up into kind of the wealth strata, um, you know, people in their 20s and 30s and 40s, that are coming into our office, whether off the street, so to speak, or as what we like to call the KOCs, right, which are kids of clients, you know, these guys are all asking, are you a fiduciary, which mm-hmm. is awesome, right? And mm-hmm. I'm saying that is probably the most important question you can ask. Um, so I think it's really important. And, you know, I truly believe that five and, and let's be safe and call it 10 years from now, I think the broker dealer business is going to be certainly very different. Um, I would argue a lot smaller and I, I would say it's not unrealistic to say pretty close to gone. So when today's 25 year old in 10 years is 35 years old and is starting to make some money, make some uh, investment choices, that person is not buying a commission product, Mm -hmm. right? Which means I think in 10 or 15 years, there ain't going to be no one selling it, which will be a good thing, right? I, I, I think the overall good for the public would be served better if all of us were to work on a fiduciary basis, fully disclosed fees, no bias. I mean, how could you argue against that? Exactly. And I think what you really see are two forces that are moving. One is the RIA space is growing rapidly, almost exponentially year over year. And then, so there's more opportunities, right? There's, there's firms like yourself where advisors can come and tuck in. There's more opportunities for advisors to be able to go independent themselves and start their own firm. And then you're also seeing on the client side, you know, consumer education, whether it's, um, you know, the laws, the fiduciary or 
just access to the internet. Clients are so much more educated now than I would even say they were five years ago. Um, and I just think we're going to continue to see that. Chuck, thank you so much again for being on the podcast. We look forward to the partnership and uh, getting more advisors into the RIA space. Sounds real good. And Jonathan, thank you very much. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks, Chuck. Thanks for listening. You can hear more Advisor Revelations at dplfp.com.